Welcome to Drive Time Talks. I'm your host, Donna Rudy, coming to you from Washington, D.C. In this episode, Indiana Plant President Leah Curry hosts Congressman Larry Bouchon at Toyota's live virtual town hall. A lawmaker and a doctor, Congressman Bouchon shares a unique view on how Indiana and the country are responding to the pandemic and when a vaccine will be ready to stop the spread of COVID-19. Buckle up, policy drivers, because Leah Curry's driving this episode of Drive Time Talks. Well, hello, everyone, all of our team members, and welcome to Indiana suppliers, Indiana dealerships who have also joined us. I'm Leah Curry, and uh, as a part of our Toyota State Government Affairs team, Karen Johnston and team, I have the pleasure of kicking off today's town hall by introducing our honorable guest, U.S. Congressman Dr. Larry Bashan. Congressman Bashan has been a big supporter of Toyota for many years and been a strong voice for the auto industry in Washington, D.C., before coming to Congress, he was practicing physician and surgeon specializing in cardiothoracic surgery. So he has a great understanding of the challenges we are facing as an industry, as well as a unique and relative view on the health impacts of this virus. So welcome, Congressman Bashan. Well, thank you for having me. I very much appreciate it. And hello to everyone at Toyota there in Indiana. Obviously, Toyota Princeton is a big driver of the economy in in Southwest Indiana, and all the good employees there, including all these good jobs, are extremely critical to that region. I'm very happy that Toyota now has put together what is a really solid plan to get things back in action. It's really a pleasure for me to be with you today and answer any questions that you all may have. I'm just going to jump right into the questions. So sure. uh, the first one is basically there's so much discussion right now about opening the economy back up in, you know, the do's and don'ts and the phases that uh, we see state by state. What's your view on striking the balance between economic collapse <laughs> and keeping our citizens and communities safe? Yeah, well, first of all, just for a little background, part of the reason that there's no perfect answer or what I'll call right answer to the question is because this is a novel virus. This is not something that we've seen before in the United States or around the world. It's not like a variation of the flu. It's a novel virus. And the characteristics and epidemiology of the virus are not totally known. What that means is we don't know whether it's going to continue on or whether it's going to go away with the summer kind of like the flu does. We don't know if it's going to come back during flu season, which generally is about the end of October through April. And so that's what creates all the uncertainty. My general take is at this point, you know, we've done a good job in the United States with social distancing and with keeping everyone at home in particularly in high risk areas, that if you look at the number of cases in most places of the country, they're trending downward. And I do think we need to continue, though, probably for months, maybe through the end of the year even, protecting our vulnerable populations, elderly patients in nursing homes, assisted living, as well as people who have immunocompromised immune systems. For example, people who have had chemotherapy or other diseases that inhibit their immune system. But it appears to me that at this point, we don't have to pick one or the other, that if we continue to use things like Toyota is doing, mask wearing, social distancing, hand washing, and paying close attention to, you know, our personal hygiene, that we can 
safely for most people start to uh, reopen our economy. But the reality is, if we start to see issues related to that, a, another spike and problems, then we'll have to reconsider. I do think Governor Holcomb's plan for the state is a good one, and other states are have done various forms of this. Um, you know, Georgia and Florida and other states so far appear to be fairly stable as far as number of cases and hospitalizations and deaths after reopening much of their economies. So we'll see. I, I think the I think the state has a good plan. I think Toyota has a good plan. And I just think we need to pay attention, follow the data and see where we go. Yeah, with our regional response, we put in over a hundred different types of new procedures at the plant. And you know, for the most part, our team members you know, we started some production last week and again uh, running this week at a lower lower volume and we're going to ramp up slowly but you know most of our team members are very happy to be back and just getting some sort of semblance you know uh back into their life where they have yeah. some routine you know you have such a unique perspective with your medical background and you know one of the things that we're seeing recently is more and more availability of uh, mass testing. What is your viewpoint on what, what we think we can expect on the next couple of months as far as availability of testing and uh, the technology advances that would allow testing from home even? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, clearly from a testing perspective, we weren't prepared as a nation really and for uh, what happened with COVID-19. Nobody, and again, it's a novel virus. Nobody predicted it. So, you know, we started slowly in the United States, partially compared to, for example, South Korea and Asia, that area of Asia, because they had to deal with SARS and MERS, previous viruses, which really didn't come to our shores here. So they had already ramped up the ability to test. So they were, they were somewhat ahead of us. And then the CDC had a little problem with initially with one of uh, the reagents for the initial uh, testing. But once we got past that, you know, we've the, the sheer logistics of getting testing to everywhere across the country, since we have a large country, has been difficult. But we have made great advances, and right now I think we're in pretty good shape. You know, the Congress has appropriated a bunch of money to help with this and put together public-private partnerships with the private sector to ramp up testing so that we can get things done more quickly and, uh, and have it more broadly available. I think, you know, in the next couple of months, you'll see that, you know, the testing will be down to the physician office level, hopefully, whereas now you still have to go to, you know, particular places to get tested, but the testing's much uh, more available than it has been. I do think also, you know, large companies will have more availability of testing on site than they, than they do now. But it's, it's been a logistical challenge, but I'm very optimistic. I think uh, things are going in the right direction. I think really within the next month or two, we'll have sufficient level of testing that, that people will be comfortable with that. That is testing for the acute illness. Now, on the backside of that, testing people to see if they've had immunity, that's also part of this. That's a different issue. And I, I don't, you know, that is still kind of in progress to try to get to where we might be able to test most people, you know, to see if they have immunity or not. Um, it's not really possible to test 330 million people that, e you know, that easily. But I do think we'll get to where, you know, people can get a titer done, so to speak, to see if they have a level of immunity. But that's going to take a little longer, I think, than just the acute testing. I agree. We, we did a local study with Deaconess 
IU Med and Mayo Clinic, there was like a, almost a thousand different, uh, uh, some of the bigger manufacturing plants here and businesses uh, like O'National on the antibody testing. The results uh, were very, very, very low percentage on the immune that we showed that we had any antibodies. I was really personally hoping that I had antibodies, but I didn't. Yeah. Let, <laughs> so, me tell you part, let me tell you, part of that reason is, is because of what we've done to prevent acute infections. So it's a really, you know, the stay-at-home orders and all of that has done one thing. It has limited the ability for us as a society to develop what's called herd immunity. And that means at least 50, around 50% of the population having resistance, you know, or immunity to a disease, whatever that may be. And until you get to that level, 50%, some people say 60%, you know, you're still going to see some risk of acute infection. So, you know, we've prevented probably some deaths and a, a big, huge peak. But also we have, you know, we have not created a substantial amount of herd immunity in, in our country. And that plays out into the study that you just talked about. So what do you think about vaccines and where that uh, current development is from your viewpoint? Well, we had a briefing, the Energy and Commerce Committee, which I'm on and I'm on the Health Subcommittee, from Francis Collins, who is the director of the National Institutes of Health, the NIH. There's very positive news. Francis Collins is a world-renowned scientist who led the Human Genome Project. He's one of the lead guy that helped sequence the human genome. And so he knows what he's talking about, and he is very optimistic about vaccines. There's a lot of uh, different ones in development around the world, and some are in, uh, in testing, human testing already. And if you follow the, you know, just the open source media, you know, the newspaper or, the, or television, you'll see that I think yesterday, the day before, one of the companies announced preliminarily that people are developing immunity to their vaccine. So I'm very optimistic. You know, I mean, some people are saying by the end of the year, some people are saying by the fall. I think that's, I think that is a little promising to do that. But on the other hand, you know, it took us five years to get a vaccine against Ebola, and we still don't have one against HIV. Those are viruses for different reasons. But overall, I'm very optimistic we'll have a vaccine for sure by the early part of 2021. You know, as far as the Congress goes, you guys have been very busy. You passed four packages of legislation to combat this virus. Do you see any potential for in another package that would include support uh, for the in auto industry or other industries or small businesses? Yes, I do. And I think, you know, we're looking at that right now, as you know, probably know. And yes, we are looking, I think, at all kinds of industries, including the automobile industry, because it's, you know, the automobile industry in the United States is really, you know, critical uh, to the economy. And I think, you know, with the challenges that we have with uh, you know, this being a global pandemic where there may be suppliers that in whatever country they're in may not be able to get the parts to the manufacturer to, you know, at, at the end of the line there. We need to look at maybe some support for the industry until we can get this up and running. So that's in the, con in the conversation. I think direct support to individual citizens like we did before with uh, some financial support as well as, you know, continuing to uh, help businesses Overall, the, the payroll protection program, which doesn't apply really to Toyota, but smaller companies and small right. businesses, still has money available right now for in it. We, we put more money in it, and there's still money available. Part of the issue with that is we're working through the forgiveness, whether the loans will be forgiven, and the Congress wants to make sure that small businesses that take out these loans can use the money and have it, have it forgiven if they use it properly, and, and I think we're going to make sure that happens. Growing up in a restaurant family myself, 
I know what it's like, you know, for your family to be in a small business and, and really the impact that those small businesses have on uh, the communities that they're in. So I really, really appreciate all the work you've done. You know, there's been a lot of talk about bringing back different types of manufacturing and one of the pharmaceuticals. Um, I didn't know what your thoughts were on that as well as, you know, what, what, you know, sometimes you always have these tipping points of things that happen in life that changes our, our path forward. Yeah. I mean, I think there's going to be some changes. My, my viewpoint is, is that, you know, we need to we need to really take a, a logical, measured, factual approach to the problem, if it's considered a problem in some industries and not a problem in other industries, and really look at, at what we can do from the United States perspective to make keep have ourselves in a position economically that that, you know, if I'm if China is obviously the big example here, but if there's problems in other countries around the world that are suppliers, whatever industry that may be, um, that it doesn't cause economic problems in the United States, or it doesn't cause national security issues in the United States. And I do think we're going to take a solid look at that. But I do think there needs to be substantial changes. For example, the active pharmaceutical ingredients that go into the medicines that we use, that all of us use, most, you know, only about 20 to 25% of those are made in the United States. The rest are made in places around the world. Some of that is in China, some of that is in India and other countries, which, you know, under normal circumstances, I think without COVID happening, you know, that supply chain for the most part was adequate. Now though, with this happening, you know, and some countries around the world not allowing things to be exported during the crisis because they want to keep things for themselves, here we are as the United States stuck with, you know, potentially having problems supplying just basic medicines like antibiotics to our citizens. So we're, we need to look at this and look at it, you know, factually and, and I think in a stepwise fashion and see what we can do as a government, I'm speaking from the government's perspective, to encourage U.S. production as much as we possibly can. And, you know, we're not going to be able to suddenly, you know, make every auto part in the United States and nobody's implying that but I think we need to look at how we can have a system that is more I I would say resilient and more flexible going forward. We know it's it's extremely complicated global supply chain but obviously every time you have something that which we've never experienced before like a pandemic for the most part it does show you where some of our weaknesses are and uh, things that we need to improve so from a toyota way of fashion we're always looking at ways to improve but again i really appreciate uh, your time here i appreciate you allowing me to do this and and thank you very much for your positive remarks about uh, my work that i'm trying to do to make the lives of everyone in in indiana and in the country better and that's it for drive time talks A special thanks to our team members who have returned to our plants to start our production. You are Toyota's true heroes. This is Donna Rudy, signing off from Washington.